Joined as always by Jardad. Good evening. How's it going, Jardad? It's going okay. Staying healthy. So far, so good. Yeah. Staying away from everybody Staying else. Staying asymptomatic, I think, is the the only thing we can really know. I mean, I'm the only one who's leaving the house, like to go grocery shopping, and so if you get sick, it's my fault. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like this distribution of blame. <laughs> it almost never happens. Our contingency plan is that if one of us gets sick, we want to try to keep <laughs> the other one from getting sick. Just so even though we'll probably both get sick, it's at least a little spaced out. So there's always someone ready to take care of the dogs. And so the first person who gets sick has to go live in the RV. See, that's not how I understood it. I thought if someone gets sick, I move into the RV. No. <laughs> yeah. Because if I'm sick and like struggling with fever and delirious. Oh, you don't want to get out of the RV. No, I should be in the RV because you will need to take care of the dogs. Yeah. I can't be feeding the dogs. That's fair. If I'm. So the contingency sick. should be I go into the RV with all the dogs. Oh, my God. <laughs> This is why I'm in charge of the plans. Dean can of dogs. You are welcome anytime you feel like it to go hang out in the RV. If you want to sleep there overnight, like that's cool. I'll spread out in the bed by myself. Mm. You can sleep down there. Bring in as many dogs as I can fit. Mm -hmm. They'll all come. It's a test of dog fitting. Squish dogs into RV. Closed door. Anyway... We're not here to talk about that. Anyway. We're here to talk about murder, but actually not really, not exactly murder (laughs) this week. I mean, we're not talking about any specific murder this week. Talking about death? Kind of. We're talking about smuggling Jewish refugees in Key West. Hmm, That's interesting. It is interesting. Uh, And some were not allowed to be smuggled in, and they died and were killed by people, so they're sort of murder. But we're not talking about any particular one. I mean, Hitler, he killed a lot of Jews. Right. That that mass murder Fuck is that guy. in the background, looming in the background of all of this. That's about all we're going to talk about, Hitler. Like, you guys know about that. Fair enough. So, yeah, this uh, this comes from this article, and I think there's now a book by this guy, Arlo Haskell. He was doing, he was scheduled to be doing a presentation on this topic um, it's some thing in Key West, and I'm not sure that it happened because it was like in March. Um, but a lot of things got canceled in March. Yeah, so I don't know. I but it looked really interesting. Uh, it you know came in one of like the newsletters that we see every day. I see the dog tempting you to play with him. Mm-hmm. I'm remaining strong. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he was going to talk about this and I was like, oh, I should go look that up. And what I found is like this pretty long article by him that I'm sure is the basis like of the presentation, which kind of had the same topic. And like I said, maybe a book that he's writing. That's not a book yet. It might be. I did not get a book. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, you can read this article, Smuggling Jewish Refugees in Key West, How the Caribbean Became a Stopping Point for the American Journey of So Many Jews by Arlo Haskell. It's in Tablet Magazine. Tabletmag.com. So you can read it there. And I'm basically going to go through it. I'm going to leave some stuff out. And the chronology in here is a little, it kind of jumps around. So I'm going to try to put it in as much order as makes sense. Sometimes we'll flash back to stuff. 
Cool. So there's a lot of anti-Semitism in the world still, and especially in the early 20th century. Um, so we're looking basically around like the 1920s is where most of this that we're talking about takes place. So we're not kind of in the heart of World War II we're sort of talking about before that. Um, but it was still tough to be a Jewish person trying to get into the U.S. There were quotas. There was a lot of anti-Semitism. Um, and so the way that a lot of it happened is that uh, European Jews would go to Cuba and then would basically get smuggled into the U.S. from Cuba uh, through Key West. So there are there were, at that point, like regular shuttle boats and like commercial ships that would go from Havana to Key West. It's only 90 miles. And uh, there's all kinds of ways that they would get smuggled in. And most of them didn't stay in Key West. Um, there's but, not a big Jewish population in Key West, but it was sort of the closest point. And then they could take the overseas railroad up and they'd go to New York and Chicago, wherever they had family. So it was it was really a stopping point in the process. So it was a way to avoid immigration. Is that fair? Like you're not going through Ellis Island. You're not. Like a, no, a this thing, is right? illegal immigration. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But come on. Like, yeah. you got to go somewhere. No, I know. I mean, in a good way. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, that's right. Because there were quotas and things, and we'll get into that. No. Um, so they, they didn't all have a legit way to get into the U.S. Um, okay. So this is sort of a thing that's happening. There's a ton of smuggling into Key West, not just Jewish people. Lots of immigrants, uh, Chinese immigrants also. A lot of them were smuggled in through Key West. And then, of course, things like liquor, prohibition, uh, all sorts of stuff, right? It's drugs. A, well, yes, later, lots of drugs. Definitely later. Um, it's the sort of pirate smuggling ethos is still one gently embraced by the island, I think, like a yeah. a place where rules are sometimes bent. Um, and so it's hard to know, like you want to go, okay, how many Jews were brought in through Key West? How do you know? There are none documented. you asked the wrong people. Yeah, that's we, right. We didn't do it. We didn't smuggle anyone. And so, you know, there were organizations for um, kind of correctly, properly, legally bringing in Jewish people and other immigrants that were like aid organizations mm -hmm. that have some records. But a lot of this was just sort of like an open secret and no one was keeping records. So it turns out the best records that they have now of Jewish smuggling in Key West comes from the Ku Klux Klan, who had excellent <sighs> record keeping in the 1920s, it turns out. Um, and you don't really think of, like, Key West was a really progressive place. So in the 1890s, there was a black sheriff in Monroe County. Uh, it was very much a sort of colorblind place. There were a lot of Jews in Key West at that point. It was relatively integrated. As we've talked about, it stayed part of the Union in the Civil War, even though Florida was not. Um, so in the 1890s, they elect a black sheriff. There's a lot of Jews in Key West. There's, and we go, oh, okay, well, that sounds like Key West. That has carried through. But no, there was, you know, a pretty violent Klan presence, uh, which we talked about in another episode. Yeah. They didn't they kill a deputy where they were going to? Or? Uh, so Manolo Cabeza. Yeah. Yeah. He 
he was the guy who was pulled out of his house, yeah. dragged in the street, beaten because he was living with a, a sort of half white, half black woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they put him in the jail and the Klansman came and got him out of the jail and lynched him. Yeah. So we've talked about that. Right? It's bad. Uh, so yeah, there was a pretty prominent clan in Key West in the 1920s. Um, and like I said, we talked about that murder. That was 1921, that murder of Manolo Cabeza, uh, Manolo Cabeza. So, okay. So we've got the clan, but who's in the clan? I mean, how do you know, right? They wear those stupid hoods, the kind of cowardly assholes, except in 2012, anonymous, 2012, like eight years ago, yeah. an anonymous donor sent the Monroe County Public Library the original 1921 charter of Florida's Clan Number 42, the Clan of the Keys. Wow. Which had all of the founding members of the clan from 1921 nice. listed in it. Uh, not surprisingly, has a lot of prominent Key West citizens on it. So nobody, nobody knew who was in the clan then. Uh, and then... Like who can you imagine like digging through like your grandpa's oh, yeah. stuff? Everyone's and, like, oh, I'm a proud conk. I've lived here for three generations. Ooh, whoops. That's my grandfather. Yeah. That's my great at most great grandfather. These are grandfathers sometimes. Yeah, right? The nineteen yeah. so they would have been born in nineteen hundred. I mean, my great grandfather was born in nineteen hundred. Yeah, I had a grandfather who was born in nineteen hundred. Yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's so certainly, you know, 2012, somebody could be digging through their grandpa's stuff and find this. They have a picture of it in this article. The actual charter thing. Yeah. Yeah. Imperial Palace, Invisible <sighs> Empire, Knights of the Clue. It's all such bullshit. And he's got this paragraph where he talks about, you know, some of the who the people were. I mean, it's I don't know my Key West history like deep enough to know who all these people are right. when they're stupid clan titles exalted cyclops it's such bullshit we're gonna skip that such a bunch of assholes um but an important part of this is that there's this one guy in the clan apparently second in command uh jay vinning harris we're just gonna call him harris he was really committed to finding the jewish smugglers and getting them arrested he had been in the navy as an intelligence officer he was a lawyer and he became an informant in 1922 to the attorney general to try to catch these smugglers who were essentially helping the Jews immigrate. Um, the guy who was in charge of it was Rabbi Lazarus Schlesinger. He was the kind of head of the Key West uh, Jewish congregation, B'nai Zion. Kind of obvious that he might be trying to help. Jewish refugees. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, so this guy Harris says that he was part of, quote, a vast international conspiracy to smuggle Jewish illegal aliens from Cuba to Key West. Boy. Like it sounds very modern, right? Someone could say that now. Boy. Um, so, yeah. So, according to this Klansman, which this is all we know, right, is the records that we have about this guy. Um, the rabbi had this smuggling operation that would bring both illegal Jewish and Chinese migrants into Key West. Um, there was a kind of group of people in Havana that he worked with. Um, it says the Cuban group, these three people, was made up, and this is a quote, of a Jew by the name of Fox, a German by the name of Hans Hauspal, 
but better known in Havana as Hans Rosenbaum, and a Hungarian named Gorlich. Okay. So that sounds like a bar. Like a <laughs> Jew, a German, and a Hungarian walk into a bar. I don't know. And then they help some Jewish migrants Escaping get to the U.S. Ensues, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that is in Havana, where most of the Jews are more easily able to get into Cuba. And uh, so the rabbi is working with those three guys. That's all we'll hear of them. I just thought it's a kind of colorful thing. Uh, and then on Key West, there's a big network of people that help these people. Like an underground railroad kind of thing. I mean, like literally in yeah. some points we'll, we'll get there. Um, the chief immigration inspector in the customs house, which is a beautiful building in Key West, yeah. by the way, uh, George Schmucker, he was apparently all in on this. Right, the chief immigration officer is collaborating with the rabbi. With the KK. No, with the rabbi. With the rabbi. He, the, that's very interesting. His yep. name was Schmucker. Yep. Interesting. Yep, yep. Um, and so there's two main ways that they would help these Jewish people get to Key West. First is sort of like the, the kind of standard way we would say coyotes now that you bring people across the border. So you'd they'd uh, they'd head out like to some dude's boat in Cuba, tucked down like in the hold in these, you know, crammed little spaces, uh, go across the Florida Straits in the middle of the night, and then would get dumped off at these uninhabited Beaches islands. Or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just probably these like little mangrove islands, which are all over the place. I mean, yeah, yeah. very few of the Florida Keys actually are reachable by a road. A lot of them don't have water, so why would anyone want yeah. to live there? So yeah. they'd kind of dump a load of people there and then there would be like individual motorboats who would go out from Key West and get them and bring them back onto the island um, or whatever smaller boats so mm -hmm. people would go out and get them um, and then once they got to Key West people who were working with the rabbis would take them to someplace where they would get to stay they would give them food they'd help them arrange travel to wherever they were going because most of them were not actually with the help of Schmucker maybe yeah well probably Right. And he was maybe able to help get them papers. Yeah. Um, but here's the interesting thing. So that that kind of transit, getting the hold of a boat, get put on this island, uh, super dangerous. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of ways that you can die in the water. Uh, you can get caught. Right. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff. So um, might not get picked up from your island that has no water. Yeah. yeah. So that tended to be Jewish men who did who went that route. And they were required to carry immigration or citizenship documents. Men at the time were required to carry those. Women weren't mm, because we didn't belonging count. to the men. Yeah. And so the way that for women and children, the way that the rabbi would get them to Key West is that um, because they didn't have to carry any papers, <laughs> they just get on a boat and there were a bunch of Key West guys who would go and be like, yeah, that's my wife. These are my kids. And, I was like, okay. And, and like the why, people why in Havana were kind that? of like, I saw your wife three days ago, and this is not who she was, but whatever. The Americans had the papers, and they're like, this is my wife, and these are my kids, and then they'd bring them over, uh, and that's it. They just get on these loophole. That's great. Boats, yeah, it's like, right? It's like sexism, yeah, making it easier to it's do like, the thing. It's terrible, but it's like that's my dog. Yep. What are you going to do? Yeah. Can't ask right. my dog. They don't have legal standing to deny it. Exactly. Um, so that I thought was pretty interesting that you just send these Americans on the ferry. Mm, They're like, I'm going to pretend to be your husband until you get over Good here. use for a terrible situation. Yeah. 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 Um, and then he also, of course, had counterfeiters who would make 
fake passports and visa documents. Um, he said that they would sometimes disguise the migrants. They'd bleach their hair so mm-hmm. they'd be blonde and, you know, other kind of stuff. Um, and then they worked with some of the commercial shipping companies where they, they, I think they were probably paying off the people in Havana. They somehow got them to look the other way. And so there would be um, Jewish aliens on these ferries coming to Key West. There's one story in here somewhere about how there was a huge uh, group of these immigrants, Jewish immigrants, who got smuggled in in a container of pineapples. <laughs> so it's like, stick them all in the back and then pack all the pineapples <laughs> in the front. It's like the human trafficking today. I mean, it really, yeah. it, it is, it was remarkable to me when I was reading it the first time. Um, so the Jewish families would pay anywhere from $50 for a trip across, across the Florida Straits, which is like $750 now. I wonder how much it compares to like, I wonder what it costs to go on the Titanic for that trip. I wonder if that's, that's similar question. or something like that. Yeah, they, it does say in here that you could, like some of them were paying from safe passages all the way from Europe to their final destination in the U.S. So it's like, I'm going to come from Germany into Havana, smuggled across into Key West, and then like get me on a train up to Chicago. Um, They'd pay up to $1,000 for that, which is about $14,000 now. Um, And I'm sure they probably had to pay, you know, a lot of their other expenses too, but just for the the kind of organization of that, which I'm sure was expensive with bribes and fake papers and lodging and food and all of this stuff that happened. Sure. Um, Yeah. And so... Uh, Schlesinger would handle the money side. He'd get the payment from the families or the immigrants. He'd deliver the funds to the people in Cuba. He coordinated activities with other people. And here's an interesting statement from here. He says, he may have coordinated these activities with David Aronovitz, another prominent Key West Jew who is named by an informant in Miami as an agent for Romanian Jews seeking access to the United States. So that's fine. This this is a guy we haven't heard of before. Just interesting note about David Aronovitz. The Key West Federal Courthouse, which today is where smuggling cases get tried, is named the Aronovitz Federal Courthouse after Sidney Aronovitz, who is the nephew of David Aronovitz. He was a prominent federal judge. So cool. Yeah, uncles helping smuggle people in. He's on the right side of history. I think so, yeah. Um, Yeah, so it says, during the peak of the refugee crisis in Cuba in 1921 and 22, uh, the rabbi's going back and forth like once a month to Cuba, basically bringing a bunch of cash down there to take care of stuff in Havana, you know, providing assistance, getting stuff. Such a risky thing. I mean, because it's like everyone kind of knows, right? Yeah. And is building a case. So they're in Key West. It's not the destination for most of them, um, but you can't easily just get them all out of here really fast because there's a train, but there's one train per day. It wasn't even a road, right? Our refrain for today is there's one road. There was no road. There was no road. There was just the overseas railroad. Um, yeah, so it would go down to Key West and then it would leave Key West Assuming everything worked fine, sometimes there were problems. So if you have 40 migrants that you picked up the night before and you just stick them on a train, it looks really suspicious. Kind of obvious. Like, how'd you guys get down here? Like, there's you weren't not on that, the train before. Not yeah, that right. many people coming in and out of here. Um, and so they'd kind of do, 
you know, a few people at a time. And in the meantime, there are, there were a bunch of safe houses in Key West. Sometimes they'd stay there for a few days, sometimes for a few weeks. And then people in the community would help take care of them, you know, who were part of this, uh, operation. Network. Yeah. Which network is the great term for it. And it essentially was like the underground railroad, uh, in a way, um, yeah, so this talks about some of the kind of big houses where like rabbis had lived and, you know, people that we've talked about so far in the story lived um, all within a couple blocks of each other in like Old Town Key West. And so it would be pretty easy to move people around. Uh, but an interesting one is so there's this guy, Frank Lewinsky, and he had a family bar business. Um, and you know, so then temperance laws come into effect and kind of the teens and then prohibition passes. And so he has a bar on Duval Street, mm. but now it's prohibition. So what the heck? Selling sodas. Yeah. So he's like, well, I'm just going to get out of the bar business. And so he basically kind of removes the building where the bar was like the first year and builds a whole new building, wow. and it has like a clothing store on the main level, and he's running that. And so people who are going by are like, huh, all right, well, now he has a, I guess, prohibition. Now he sells clothes. But then they're like, why couldn't he just turn the bar into the clothing store, right? Like you could take the bar out. Like why'd you have to tear that down and build this whole new building, especially when like prohibition might go away, right? right? Like there were certainly people who immediately wanted to get that repealed and so it's like do you really want to take your bar down when like prohibition may not be even be around for that so long all right well that's what happened so in 2013 2013 wow. seven years yeah, ago yeah, yeah. uh his descendants sold the building right it was still there and the contractors who were working on it found a big underground chamber wow now there are no basements in kiwa basements no it's no. underwater because it's underwater, uh, it'll flood on a high tide. It'll certainly flood in a hurricane or a tropical storm. Uh, sometimes water just comes in because water table is so high. So there's no basements. In fact, there's not really a lot of first, you know, one level stuff. Key West, I guess, has it, but most mm -hmm. of the keys don't. So yeah, he's got a basement, the entire footprint of the building, six feet deep. So like a regular sized person, especially then, can stand up and walk around. Uh, yeah, so there's no evidence that it was used for this for smuggling in jewish people but they're like hmm secret basement in this jewish guy's brand new building that he built immediately after prohibition they think that may be part of it um it turns out just across the street under the grocery a grocery store that was run by a chinese immigrant uh there was another chamber like that that nice. got discovered and then there's all these stories of underground tunnels used by cuban rebels to hide weapons in key west during the 1890s and then that rump runners were using in the 1920s to wow. store bootleg alcohol um and a bunch of these tunnels were connected to houses around the houses of the people that we were talking about. They're about 16 feet above sea level. That's the highest point in Key West. They call it a hill. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, you have a little more room to put in some underground tunnels. 
and had been used for all kinds of smuggling. And so, uh, so there's a theory that this tunnel network existed as a way to hide all kinds of immigrants as well as other smuggled stuff, but there's not a lot of documented firsthand evidence to that. There are similar tunnels found in other places, um, but yeah. So uh, anyway, that's sort of the nuts and bolts of that smuggling operation. We don't really know how many people got brought in, but our Klansman Harris, who we started off with, he kind of shared all of this information with uh, the attorney general, and there were never any charges brought against Rabbi Schlesinger, but um, he kind of had to stop actively doing this like once he knew he was being investigated and the Klan was watching him. Um, so it still is thought that he kind of helped with some of this stuff, um, but he it seems like after the Klan got involved, he stopped actively kind of leading that sort of smuggling operation. Um, and then, you know, then we get into the 1930s, uh, stuff's getting worse. If you're a Jewish person in the world, uh, Hitler, who we briefly mentioned, the main part of that, though there was anti-Semitism everywhere, you know, including outside of Germany. Um, and then, you know, of course, the thing that we would expect to talk about here is the St. Louis, the German ocean liner that was basically a bunch of Jewish people fleeing Nazi Germany. Um, they had permission to sail to Havana. So before they left Germany, they secured permission to sail to Havana. Um, there were a thousand Jewish people on that boat and en route to Havana, the Cuban immigration authorities sort of changed their mind. Um, and this was close to the war, right? 30, yeah, 39. 39. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Cuba was never like super into taking in a bunch of Jewish refugees, but there was like politics, humanitarian aid, finances. They were like, yeah, you know, they were continuing to allow it. Um, but that anti-Semitism that really rose up all over the world as Hitler came to power uh, kind of peaked at the same time in Cuba. And so the St. Louis is en route. They have permission. And then there's this huge anti-Semitic demonstration in Havana. 40,000 people show up. Uh, the spokesman says to, quote, fight the Jews until the last one is driven out. And the president at the time voids the landing certificate so the St. The Louis can't dock there. Uh, okay, so now you have 1,000 people that are fleeing Germany. Right? Going back to Germany is not an option. And what are you going to do? And so there are Jewish relief organizations in the U.S. and the rabbi, who we've been talking about here, really working hard to try to get permission for this boat to come into Key West, to let the, to let the passengers off in Key West. Um, the U.S. had an immigration quota for German Jews, which is not a thing that they, like, teach us Americans in school. Like, mm -hmm. I think if you grow up in America, at least where I grew up, right? Your history classes are like, oh, we fought the Nazis in World War II and we won and we took in all these Jewish refugees. And they don't tell you anything about the fact that we didn't actually take very many of them because we had a quota. Right. And so the, this is June. Quota has been exceeded. Uh, the waiting list to get on to get permission was 10 years. All right. So there's, they're not letting anybody in. Um, the so the people in Key West are like, or you know, and Miami, they're like, well, like there's immigration people here, 
at the docks, like even if we were like, screw it, let the boat in, right. they're right there, right? Mm-hmm. Then you're not going to be able to get off. Um, so Roosevelt would have to have done something about this. Um, Henry Morgenthau, who was Treasury Secretary, he was the only Jewish person in the cabinet. Um, he was lobbying really hard, unsuccessfully. He actually had a back channel with the Coast Guard to keep track of this ship to try to figure out any options for them. But ultimately, it it ended up getting sent back. And so there are pictures of it in the waters off Key West, just kind of hanging out, waiting, hoping that it'll be allowed. Um, And I remember from the Holocaust Museum in D.C., a lot of them died in the death camps. 254, yeah. Yeah. Um, More than half of them ended up going to extermination camps. It's 1,000 people. More than half go to the death camps, and uh, 254 of them died. And they were, like, right there outside of Key West. Would have been an easy fix. Yeah. So uh, maybe we keep that in mind now. Always good with the immigration. Yeah. So sorry that that ends on a real bummer. Um, But there were, you know, a lot of people who were able to get out ahead of that and get into the U.S. through this kind of interesting back channel. Uh, It's a a fascinating article. Like I skipped over, you know, some of the kind of deeper historical details um, that don't really lend to the story. But if you're interested, that's Smuggling Jewish Refugees in Key West by Arlo Haskell. Just Google that and you'll find it. Hard to get the right lesson out of that. The people who weren't following the rules got in sometimes. And then the St. Louis, where they were following the rules and filling out the paperwork and following procedures, didn't work. I think there's a really clear lesson to get from that. What actually, is it? which is in times of crisis where your life is on the line, fuck the rules, do what you have to do to not die. No. Yeah. Jump off that boat and... Bribe yeah. whoever you need to bribe. Yeah. Do the thing you got to do, right? Casablanca. Nobody cares about your honor if you're dead. Oh, no. not. Yeah. I don't mean your honor. I think, I think or they whatever, thought they'd right? like done it the, the right way and they had permission and all this and it just completely backfired. Yeah, and it, look, I'm not implying that like they had any other option, right? No, if you have no, the option I to like... I don't think they did anything wrong, of yeah. course. But if you have the option to get on a boat where it's like, yeah, you're approved to land in Havana, like you, of course, get on that boat. No kidding. Um, but you know, 1939, the world is a lot different place than like 1922 when we start talking about it, Right. Yeah, it's good to remember FDR was president. Yeah, FDR, why didn't you let that ship in, dick? No, complicated. It's not that complicated. You could have just let it in. When he went to Harvard, they weren't letting in a lot of Jewish people or none. Or none. Were they letting in women? With that, in the one problem at a time. <laughs> I'm almost, no, they had Radcliffe. I don't know if they had Radcliffe at the time. There, was, uh, there were women's schools. <laughs> I just want to add that the University of Chicago, from the first day it opened, had women and Jewish people. It's such a new school that, like, you know, <laughs> they didn't have to deal with all those problems. All right, are you ready for a dog palate cleanser? Yes, I am. All right, so in the Golden Ratio podcast, we're avoiding all talk of the coronavirus on purpose. Uh, yep. This is a murder podcast. I mean, it's already pretty dark. We're already <laughs> avoiding talk of murder today. I, well, I know. <laughs> we're going to talk more about ghosts next time, too. Excellent, so. excellent. Uh, anyway... So I, this is not a story that I would share on a coronavirus avoiding podcast. But uh, so this one, a bunch of people sent me. There's a golden retriever in Colorado Springs, and he delivers groceries 
to people who are at risk, like elderly people in a neighborhood every day during quarantine. So his owner uh, said her neighbor has some health issues. She's on oxygen, so she's really at high risk. She can't go out. She can't even go grocery shopping, right? You don't want to get exposed. And so uh, the neighbor is willing to shop for her, but she might be exposed when she's right. at the grocery store. Right, she could be store, asymptomatic. And, right, and, yeah. doesn't want to give it to her. So the neighbor writes down her shopping list, and then she gives the shopping list to the dog. Nice. Dog, like, walks up, ow, takes it in his mouth. <laughs> Sunny's the dog. Dog brings it to the neighbor, and the neighbor goes and does the shopping, and then the neighbor gives Sonny the bags of groceries, and Sonny brings him up nice. to, uh, to that's the a, woman. That's a service dog. Now, that's service. That is really good. So good job, Sonny. Just like fluffy, brown, golden retriever delivering groceries to Can't his neighbor. Can't get COVID-19 either as a dog. That's right. Dog good. is safe. Sending is safe, not yep. not infectious. So that's good job, pretty nice. Sonny. And good job, like checking on your elderly neighbor and doing her grocery shopping and like finding a creative way to get her stuff. Because you could just like, I'll leave the list out on the step and you can right. pick it up. And I'll, all right, I'll leave the groceries on the step. When I leave, you come get it. Here, like she can't see anybody, right? Because right. she has to just stay inside. So now she gets to pet the dog who's delivering. That's the right. She gets to pet Sunny. She's like, it's the highlight of my day. And somehow she's always ordering dog treats. Every time she's dog. She doesn't even have a dog, I don't think. Huh. Well, there you go. So he's gained three pounds. <laughs> that's a good dog palate cleanser. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be back. I know we were a little late this week, but we had stuff come up. So we're Friday-ish in this podcast anyway. A lot is going on. Yeah. There, there is. I'm having some trouble focusing. Um, but I have a ghost, another ghost podcast all prepared. So we'll hopefully get that recorded in the next week or so and drop it. Our normal schedule is every two weeks. Maybe if we're ambitious, we'll record a couple and drop it early. Maybe, but. It's, maybe it's related to those weird noises that's around our house at night. Because, oh, 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 oh. That's just a gecko. Oh, don't, Sorry. Oh, <laughs> don't know nothing about teas. Well, until next week, wash your hands, stay in your friggin' house, and don't conk out. Don't conk out. Bye.